Hello and welcome to the High View Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in the local church. I am your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at High View Church, and I am here today with Pastor Chad Williams and Pastor Josh Hildebrandt. How are you guys doing? I'm great. Just a couple of bosses. Josh's golf clapping. A couple of my bosses. It's good to be here. <laughs> it's good to, good to be here with you guys. Um, glad to uh, glad to be hanging out. Um, yeah, so today is is a great day. We're getting to hang out over here together and record another episode. Really working on keeping these consistent, guys. I think I'm still really scarred by the fact that we didn't do these for and all the hate mail. Oh wow! Oh gosh! Just <laughs> poured ju- in. Oh man! Pitchforks and <laughs> torches. Ch- church members just in all a riot about this. So we're glad to be back. And uh, even for those of you that are not a part of Highview, we're glad that you're here as well. And uh, today we're going to talk about something that's uh, very important to us, being on a church staff, and especially you guys being elders and uh, at a local church and me being a staff pastor, um, something that matters a lot to us and we hope matters a lot to our people. And if you're just generally in a church out there, we hope it matters to you as well. Uh, today we're going to talk about the importance of church membership. Mm. Um so I just want to start before we get into our questions that we've planned. Um, what what is I want to ask you guys as you grew up as a Christian, what was the the story around church membership that you remember growing up seeing in the churches around our area? Yeah, for me it was um, there was a a, a deep uh, sense of ownership that if you remember you had, but it was largely tied to your name on a roll, mm-hmm. and it was it was like family. Yeah. Uh, based and uh, and and it, I remember thinking, like on on like homecoming weeks growing up in a in a traditional Baptist church in the South. Yeah. Like where did all these people come from? <laughs> like where? Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're members. Uh-huh. Like, what? what? Right. Yeah. So I had it was like a both a high view of being a member, but mm. then functionally very low view, very low expectations. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, for me, it was kind of exactly, I don't want to say exactly the opposite, but it was different. Mm. Um, you know, um, I, I think uh, from my perspective growing up, we kind of responded to the maybe the, some of the negative side that Chad was describing there in membership, just name being on a roll. And and so, um, you know, we thought my view was just kind of a formality. Yeah. And what really mattered was, were you a part of a church? Yeah. Which yeah. I just didn't understand what really church membership was then. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was something that was just kind of a stiff formality that people did to, to keep their names on a roll or something mm. like that. But yeah. but was, what was really important was that you were connected to the church. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, I just didn't understand the concept real well. Right. Yeah, I think it was the same same for me. I, I almost uh, equated attendance with membership. Like if you were just at the church, yeah, then you were a remember. part of the church, right? And and I grew up in uh, in the Baptist, you know, tradition, the Baptist um Baptist churches, and I saw people come down front, you know, join the church, sign a card, do whatever, and they presented them there and then say, hey, this family wants to join the church, and they just kept attending. There wasn't really any change. There was in that person or in the the nature of how things happened or our my relationship to that person. It was just like, hey, they're, they've been attending a while. Now they're, quote, unquote, joining, and never really understood what that distinction was. Right, um, sure. So how do you think – you guys have been in ministry for – a while now because you're super old um mm. how has how has the perspective uh of membership from 
from the local church perspective, how has it changed since you've been in ministry? Yeah, I mean, I think um, at least in our stream, um, and it's kind of hard to speak outside of that, but yeah. there's been a resurgence in the importance of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think kind of in response to a consumeristic uh, approach to church that kind of just got a foothold. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's it's good to see, but there's been a, a response where church membership is something that's valuable. In other words, um, you're not coming here just to um, to consume, but you're a member of the body that provides, right? Yeah. That that has something to offer. Um, and I've I've seen that grow. Um, you know, even, even since we started Highview, um, I think what was you know six seven years ago, um, it wasn't a much as much of a thing church membership and the mm-hmm. importance of it. But as yeah. you know, that was one of our kind of founding things that we really pushed in like church membership matters and why it matters. Yeah. Um, but I've seen it, you know, grow around this area that the importance of church membership and glad to see that. Yeah. I think even my friends, uh, in the, um, the, the, the larger church scene who were like heavily influenced by, you yeah. know, the Bill Hybels and the Rick Warrens of the world back in the nineties. Sure. And, and they have large churches now numerically. I've even seen some of my friends in that stream backing up and mm-hmm. going, man, we need some, we need some parameters here. Like who's yeah, yeah. really here? Right. right. Who's right. really a part of this? Who can we expect to serve? Who can we expect to give? Who mm. are we responsible for? Yeah. And asking those kind of questions has been a good thing. And I think that there, there's other factors as well. I think that um, the kind of um, the, the, whatever you want to call it, the new Calvinist, the reformed, uh, you know, young kind of young, restless and reformed mm-hmm. group. Yeah. Um, that's not as young anymore. They're probably not as restless anymore. No. <laughs> but, uh, and that's not, a, I don't, I think that's a, you know, I think there's a good developments in all of that. And that's, yeah. But um, there's a lot of um, uh, doctrinal emphasis on this that there wasn't, even really when, when we planted Hive, there wasn't as much. But mm. ministries like Nine Marks and um, large church planting organizations like Acts 29 and, and uh, you know, there's there's been a more of a push that together for the gospel crowd, influenced heavily by yeah. you know a Mark Dever and 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 some of these guys that are that are emphasizing church membership. So I think there's a lot of factors. It's changing. Yeah. And we're and I've found that the conversation's broadening out. So church planters are thinking about it right out of the gate yeah. now. A, yeah. mo- a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And larger churches are trying to figure out how we how we back up. Mm-hmm. And and draw some type of boundary, you know, and some type of like who's who's really a part of this church. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's been. I think all those are good developments. Yeah, it's added into yeah. the conversation of what are you doing right at your church, whereas that didn't used to be no a doubt. part of the conversation. Right. But like yeah. now, it's church membership is a thing that's talked about that's healthy and good for a church. A, a right view of church membership, which yeah. is very encouraging. Well, I think too, just in kind of the conversation of like historically. I think that membership number has been seen very unhealthily. Like, look mm-hmm. to like, hey, how many members does your church have? Mm-hmm. You can you can list off a number and have even a role that reflects that. But as far as like actual participation, actual like pastoring those people, <laughs> yep, uh, right. there wasn't much of a, a correlation there. It's like, it's like how many how many members your church have? Now we got eight hundred, but four of them, four hundred of them are in the grave out here. Right. Yeah. yeah. The other <laughs> half of them passed away. <laughs> The other hundred, you know, we don't know. We have an average of... And technically, I guess, they're still on campus. Yeah, That's true. And and that's kind of how I viewed membership growing up. Like, how many people are associated? Uh, In other words, if if they were just asked, where do you go to church? Yeah. They would probably say that church, even if they hadn't been in 
six weeks or, right. you know, but that's the church that they associate as their church. Yeah. And, you know, that's yeah. so not membership. Right. Well, let's talk about that. What What is church membership? Um, let's get a little bit uh, more specific. And first of all, I think a helpful question, because we can talk about practical, um, how it helps pastors, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, but I think the first question to ask is, is church membership in the Bible? Like if we're going to base our ministries, base our churches on the word of God, um, where, do, where does the Bible speak to uh, church membership? Yeah, church membership is in the Bible, but it's in the Bible the same way that the Trinity's in the Bible. Okay. So we have individual doctrines of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, that we get from our New Testament, um, but we don't have a text that is explicitly using so the there's Trinity. No, there's no thou shalt have yeah. church, haveth church membership. No, there's okay. not. Um, but I would say that it is strongly um, present okay. in the New Testament, even though it's not explicitly laid out that way. Some of the language is similar. Um, uh, for example, Romans 12, I mean, that's a go-to. Uh, Romans 12, uh, 4 and 5, uh, 4 is in one body, we have many members. Mm-hmm. I mean, this concept, this idea of members, um, this idea of a uh, collective whole, but these, these individual parts that are part of that collective whole, yeah. um, that is uh, certainly there. So I think all the teachings of the New Testament prop up that there is a way, there was a mechanism that the New Testament church had for understanding who was a part of it or not. Mm-hmm. Right. And so whether you like, I mean, uh, we were talking earlier about some of the um, the guys with large churches, they, they might, um, in certain contexts, shy away from using the term membership or yes. even members. They might have partners right. or something like that. Uh, so I think that it's important to note that the term membership, that word is not uh, ultimately like we're, we're not attached to that word predominantly even. We're just trying to say church membership is the process of kind of defining who is the mechanism for defining who is a part of the church and who isn't. Yeah. Amen. I think there's um, also, you know, in Scripture, you like Pastor Chad said there, you don't see it spelled out, uh, membership, but you do mm-hmm. see commands that are given that are really hard to obey if, if there's not the context of church membership around it. Yes. You know, take it to the church. Um, mm. Shepherd the flock of God that is amongst you. Yeah. Like these type of commands, a lot of things that, that we see in the New Testament, you know, as injunctions or instructions for us to, to follow through with, if you just logically think it out, they were assuming there was a group of people, they knew who they were, and they were, uh, you know, in some type of covenant together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's biblical. Okay, so kind of what I hear both of you saying is the the way that the Bible, specifically the New Testament, talks about how the church functions, there's there's some level of responsibility that has to be in place, and it's hard to have that without a, whatever you call it, some mm-hmm. sense of mm-hmm. members being part of a whole where they're responsible to one another and responsible to some authority. Yeah, that- members and pastors in a local congregation yeah. need to know who they're responsible to and for in both cases. Right. And so in the New Testament, you have clearly that dynamic happening. And so, but, but it even, it even goes back to, to Jesus and in Matthew 18, giving this like instruction for Mm -hmm. how to remove someone from, from a local church. Right. Uh, The third and final step is tell it to the church, this sin, tell it to the church. Right. 
But um, you're not going to walk around the whole earth correct. and find every Christian. Like he's the clearly church. He's not talking about right. right. He's clearly not talking about the church universal. Yeah. He's clearly talking about the church local, a local body right. which you can go before. Exactly. Yeah. And so, in that you know who that is. Right. He's assuming the people that are doing this know who to tell. Yeah. yeah. And one thing, a distinction, we're not saying that a church membership process is biblical inherently. Like those are the details mm. that we have to work out. What we're saying is there's a group of people that are covenanted together. Yeah. Like, and churches will work that out in different aspects, how they, how they identify get, those right, and get and, that into the membership process right. or something. But, okay. but definitely there's a, a group atmosphere uh, within the local context that keeps people accountable and that, you know, we're responsible for as pastors and you got to be able to distinguish that in some way. Right. Uh, so let's, let's jump into that a, a little bit more. I know we just said that uh, some of those process elements can be varied among different kinds of churches, but would we say that there are some common qualifications that we should expect for, for membership? What are we looking for in the people that we're allowing to be a part of our local body. I mean, I'll state the first one, the most obvious, but they be professing believers. Yep. Uh, so those who have been um, saved and have made a profession of faith would be where it starts. Uh, I don't see uh, anywhere in the New Testament, I don't see uh, the local church referring to those who are not born again. Yeah. Um, and, and that goes all the way back to, to Acts chapter 2. Um, you know, they, they were adding to their number day by day those who were being Beast. saved, right? right? So, so even that, I mean, from the very beginning, the church has been those who have been born again and are professing believers. So I think, and I think most evangelicals, we're all, I think we're all in agreement on that. that. That's not to say that someone who does not know Jesus isn't welcome to attend right. your church. Or to attend a service. Matter of fact, we that's that's uh, we welcome that certainly. It's saying that someone who is not a professing believer should not be a member mm-hmm. of a church, and so that's yeah. a really that's the first and biggest distinction. Yeah, yeah sure. I agree completely, with Pastor Chad. And I think we do need to clarify, you know, when we say membership and qualifications, like this is really important to talk about because you. You know, if we're not careful, we'll think about, you know, that common language of membership and qualifications, thinking of joining a club or a gym or a, you know, some group. And and so inherently you have to meet some qualifications to get in. And um, really, when we're talking about meeting qualifications to join the local church, it's it's really us not um, checking up your qualifications as much as it is saying, Mm do you trust that Christ has qualified you, right? Mm, That's a good point. Because sinners, we're not looking for a certain type of Christian. We're not looking for a Christian that's worked out their life and is this mature. We're looking for someone that says, all my qualifications are in Christ. And if they believe that, congratulations, you know. Because that that really could be a problem if the church is unhealthy and they're looking for a certain standard or type of person. Um, I, I think even even more unholy versions of that could, could filter down through that. If you're only looking for a certain type of person, a certain type of family, a certain, um, you know, other qualifications that are man-made, right. That could be dangerous. Yeah. We're not trying to fill this place up with like what we would consider quote, good Christians are perfect Christians, but this is a place for, for broken sinners who are clinging to Christ. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's what qualifies you to be a church member. Um, yeah. yeah, that's great. That's that's a wonderful 
a wonderful way to approach that because I think we could get lost in the weeds of that terminology if we're saying, all right, you've got to be qualified in the, this way or uh, meet our standards. But And we yeah. see that like played out like that, that concept is in people's minds when they come in for a pastoral interview, mm. like they're, they don't know what to expect sometimes and you yeah. can feel that tension and we try to like subside it. Like, you know, we're not looking for you to have your life all together. Right. You know, we're not right. looking for you to have all the pieces. We just want to know, do you profess faith in Christ? Yeah. Do you trust him? You it, know? If we were trying to build a church of perfect people, there would be, we couldn't even be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I think there's yeah. like tiers of, of kind of things that membership should and must be about. And then things that, I think that God allows local churches, you know, based on their own convictions and what the scripture teaches to, to determine. So for example, mm. our Presbyterian brothers would um, obviously disagree with our, um, we want uh, people who are members of our church to have been baptized by immersion. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, mm-hmm. and it's okay to have honest dis, dis, disagreements and discussions about, about the different qualifications for, for membership. I would also encourage all churches that have a membership process to, um, work with those who are in the membership process and make sure they know the gospel, mm-hmm. make sure they have a gospel uh, that they can, at least they're grasping. Like you, you want to make sure people have a, a high view of the gospel and, and are, are, are approaching the gospel um, in a certain way in how they share it and, uh, and what they believe about it. So that's critical. Um, yeah. Certainly there's other things too, you know, you would not recommend someone who just has a fundamental disagreement about the doctrine of the church uh, the doctrines of the church, uh, the, a church's position on something like baptism, for example, um, there might be things that we would say, hey, this this might not be the best church for me or for you to, to commit to based mm-hmm. on those differences in conviction. Right. That's also fine. That's also mm-hmm. normal. Uh, so I think every church has to decide, you know, how narrow they, they want to be or should be, I think. Yeah. Um, but those are some important pieces, I, I think. Which I think leads us into um, kind of a, a, I want us to talk for a couple minutes about our process, the, the things that we do here to um, not necessarily vet people according to our qualifications, but but approach those issues that you mentioned, uh, the both of you mentioned. Um, I know that for our particular process, we have three, three steps, essentially. Uh, the first one is a class, which I think a lot of churches are doing these days where we, uh, we do that, Pastor Chad, we do, uh, we cover the gospel and we say, Hey, this is what we mean when we use that word. Mm-hmm. We talk about our church, um, our church doctrine. We talk about our church's government uh, mm-hmm. structure. We talk about, um, all those other, the leaders. qualifications of, of, of the leaders and how we have elders as mm-hmm. pastors and, uh, we talk about member, uh, you know, expectations and things like that. Church covenant. Our church covenant, yes. So we have um, these eight we will statements that we say, uh, we actually regularly reaffirm that in our church in conference meetings. Um, so we we explain that to them up front and say, hey, this is this is what you're getting into. Yeah, we really. want to put all our cards on the table. Yeah, mm-hmm. and say this is what we're holding to. This is what we believe in. We share our, all of our commitments, all of our doctrine. The second step of that is uh, what you mentioned earlier, Pastor Josh, which is a uh, an elder interview mm-hmm. with uh, one of our pastors. And I, I like to talk about it like a, it's a membership affirmation mm-hmm. meeting. Because to your point, people come into that meeting thinking, what are they going to ask me? What are they, you know, why are they asking me about this, you know, my church history or why are they asking about my marriage or, you know. And so the way I've thought about it is with our class, we're letting them know, here's here's our cards, Right. But from the other end, and I'm sure for you guys as elders, like you want to know what their cards are too. Yeah. 
yeah. what you know what they're bringing in the the pains that they're bringing For in sure. the, uh, the blessings the giftings they might be bringing in um, so we ask questions about you know why they left their last church yeah. uh, we ask questions about how they served in, in churches before we ask them about their salvation story uh, then the third step of, of our process is at our member meetings the church and conference we allow our members to vote those new members in and I think that's one of the best things we do here at the church. Um, I know even for me being voted in as a member, uh, was a very, you know, close vote. It was close. I almost didn't make it. (laughs) There was was some debate on the floor. Like, yeah, it was bad. Um, but no, and I know we've been asked, I've been asked at least even since I've been here, has anyone ever been voted down? And no, it's, it's this time where, especially if they've been through a class, they know what, what our cards are and they've been through a meeting with the elders and we know more about their story. If they've made it to that point, at that point, it's just a celebration. You know, the, the church votes pretty much unanimously. Yes. As far as I've seen, and then there's clapping, there's cheering there. You right. know, we bring them back in the sanctuary. It's a very joyous time because more people are being added to the family, this local right. family. Right? Yeah. I think one of the things that's beautiful about that is if you're a member here, you've gone through that process. So yeah. that means, you know, the, you know what it takes to get to the, the mm-hmm. vote, so to speak. And so there's, there's a trust, yep. I think, you know, in the elders, um, uh, and the leaders, you know, with the people that we put before the church and it is, it feels like a celebration, you know, when we vote someone in, it's a wonderful time. Absolutely. Um, so with that being kind of laid out there, um, what is it that we um, think church members should do? So we call someone a church member. Um, what should be the regular life of that person? Yeah, um, we like to say that every member is a functioning member. Yeah. You know, um, and if you just consider your body, um, everything is doing something. You know, um, yeah. it, it's every part is, is playing a role, even the parts you don't know are that are hidden and yeah. that, but they're working and doing something and. So we encourage um, every member to view themselves as a functioning member. And one of the first ways we encourage a person to be a functioning member is to come Sunday morning regularly. Yeah. Like that. If you don't attend regularly, then, you know, if you're not there, you can't function. Right. Yeah. And so uh, the first part of being a functioning member is just attending. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Um, But second beside that is then to acknowledge the uniqueness that each member provides to the body yeah. and to focus in on that. How has God uniquely gifted me? Um, and so that's, that's a, a second point. The third thing I like to, to think about is um, a little different than that. It's sometimes that can be a trap because you can think, okay, God's gifted me to mm-hmm. do this random thing. I'm really gifted at this, but my church doesn't do that. So I don't do anything. Right. So that's not the only question you ask. You also ask, what does the body need? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like sometimes with my own physical body, I, it doesn't matter, um, you know, what, I, I, my whole body just takes into account what I need, right? Yeah. And if, if there's a need, I've, my body figures it out. And so I think with uh, church membership, we say, you know, what is it that um, we require of the members? It's to ask the question, what's needed here um, to step up and to, to meet that need? Yeah. I, and I love, I love that picture that, uh, that the scripture paints uh, of the church as a body mm-hmm. with its members. Because um, I've always found that um, a very helpful picture, especially not just for the functionality of like each part, whether you see it or not. You, know, you get that dialogue that, uh, that Paul lays out where can a, should an eye say, you know, well, I'm not the ear, so I'm not important. Or the body doesn't need me because I don't fulfill this other function. 
Um, and he basically says, no, like all, all the parts, whether they're sh- these quote unquote stronger parts or the weaker parts, he actually gives more honor to the weaker parts, right? He mm-hmm. says, you know, all the, all the parts that you would consider weak that you don't see are actually more protected mm-hmm. than, than the other, the other parts. Right. And so it's a, it's a really beautiful picture. But along with that, when one part of your body hurts, the rest of it suffers, right? When you hit your picky toe on the, the bed frame, you know, your, your brain's <laughs> sending signals, your, the rest of your body is grabbing, reaching, you know, to, to yeah. resolve that pain. And so I think it's a beautiful picture of, right. of how we function together. We, right. we hurt together, we succeed together, and if one part's not functioning, it really does affect the rest of the body. Right. You know, one of the things that we fight against a lot in our culture is the consumeristic yeah. mindset of church where mm-hmm. you're not really a part of the body doing the work, but you're a, a person that comes in and, and receives, right? And you, yeah. you sit and someone else is doing the work and you're partaking of it. And like fighting against that mindset is really important and it, it happens at the member level, Yeah. right? It, it happens when... Uh, when members start to see that uh, how I decide to interact here affects the the church, right. like I'm important, I actually am a functioning member. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's very important to us. Yeah, I think one of the really important pieces of this uh, involves when we talk about what we do mm-hmm. um, is is a, a question that should frame that is what have we committed to to do? Yeah, you know, as as members. So really, what membership is 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 a commitment. Uh, And it's a commitment to certain things. And specifically, they're outlined in our church covenant. So when we say a covenantal relationship, membership is an entering into and an agreeing to do certain things. That is what membership is. So the idea that there is no such concept as a member who doesn't do. Does that make sense? And so because it is your membership, it'd be like saying there's a marriage where none of the functions of marriage are actually happening. happening. That would not be, um, that would not be, be good. So um, that's a big piece of this. Um, there are, how many I, are we will statements? Eight, eight, I think. There's eight total in our church covenant. And, uh, and some of the things we've already talked about, you know, mm-hmm. um, we will not forsake the assembling ourselves together. We will not neglect to pray for ourselves and others. Um, we'll, yeah, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, when we leave, we'll leave the right way. Yeah. Um, that there are certain things that we should mm-hmm. do and that we're committing to doing. And so that's the basis. It's not a pastor's opinion of what you what you should be probably doing. Right. It is a series of commitments you've entered into that you're aware of. And so one of the things we ask all the members to join, do you understand the covenant that you have just read, and do you agree to uphold it by God's grace? So, so there's no ambiguity about what you're committing yeah. to on the front end. And then we also know that, um, yeah, I say this at church and conferences a lot when we have all our members together, that... You know, every member of Highview has two things in common. One, they've all made a covenant. Mm-hmm. And two, we've all broken that covenant yep. in various ways. We've all fell short. And uh, so that's a really important piece as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, just, as we were thinking about this this topic, I, I pulled up an article by uh, Kevin DeYoung, and he he addresses this as a, as a major reason why membership is important. Uh, he says, you know, it's, it's about making a commitment uh, that, makes a powerful statement in a low commitment culture. I think we all acknowledge this. Mm. That if you look at the world around us, our, our culture is very low committal. Like we, we look for the path of least resistance. Yeah. We, we take the easy road out. And he says this. He says, uh, he compares the church to bowling leagues. He says, many bowling leagues require more of their members than our churches do. Where this is true, the church is a sad reflection of, this, of its culture. 
Ours is a consumer culture where everything is tailored to meet our needs and satisfy our preferences. When those needs aren't met, we can always move on to the next product, the next job, or spouse. Joining a church in such an environment makes a countercultural statement. It says, I am committed to this group of people, and they are committed to me, and I'm here to give more than I get, uh, which I think is a powerful picture of if we really believe in this gospel we're surrounding ourselves uh, or we're gathering around um, and we're making this kind of commitment to one another, we should see, I, I agree with you 100%, Pastor Chad, when we say like, okay, this is not just whether or not I'm being submissive to a pastor or, or what a pastor says I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Like really you're, you're saying, okay, the body of Christ doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting what I think I need. I'll just, I'll leave. And in a, in a sense, you're, you're rejecting Christ mm-hmm. by rejecting his body. Right. And, and it really does. I think when we see people that are giving and, and pursuing this, this type of committedness more, um, more and more, we, we are setting this countercultural statement um, and saying it very, um, very boldly. I think we should be more and more seeing Amen. that. Hopefully we yeah, church membership is a, is a powerful evangelistic tool because it's so different from yeah. the world. Why would you put up with a group of, Sinners, like why right. would you why would you hitch yep. your wagon to that? There's yeah. no reason other than, Christ, you know, Christ to be Christ-like. Absolutely, and so it's countercultural for sure. So um, as we kind of close in this, you guys are both uh, elders, pastors here at Highview. Uh, so from your perspective, what are um, the elders, or maybe just a pastor? If we use that language, uh, what's the responsibility of an elder or a pastor to the members? What what should members expect from from their shepherds. Yeah. Uh, one, uh, teaching of sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. So everything really starts there. You get that wrong, you've kind of lost the right biblically to do much of anything else. Uh, so teaching sound doctrine, teaching them feeding the flock, that's that's what Jesus had in mind there, providing mm-hmm. spiritual oversight. Uh, I think there, there are a number of ways that that spiritual oversight gets fleshed out. And, and there's different ways even at this table, you know, yeah. Uh, even among among us as staff and among us as elders, because everyone has a different skill set right. that they contribute to providing a holistic kind of pastoral oversight. Uh, there are things that Josh is just light years better than me at, mm. and so, amen. and I think, yeah, amen, and I, <laughs> and, I, and and I, I thank God for that. Us. I mean, I thank God mm. for that because. Yeah. Uh, I don't have that to offer the flock. Mm. Some of the things he he has, yeah. I, I just don't have that to offer the flock. Yeah. And so um, it's a again that's that's kind of a a, a nice um, infomercial for el- a plurality of elders as well. And why yep. why why having men with various giftings is so good. So I think that uh, that's certainly um, that's certainly a piece of it. And then the the actual uh, leading. Um, aspects, the the oversight aspects, the the functional part of the church. I think that that members should expect uh, their pastors to be able to do that well. So, and that's where I would start. But yeah, yeah I mean, I I think that that's true. Um, you know, I like to think uh, obviously of the office as a you know of a pastor as a shepherd, and you think of a shepherd and what a shepherd does for the sheep. There's there's a lot of different things. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they protect them from wolves, which is what Chad's talking about with sound doctrine. That's yeah. what th- that's for. They they also um, yep. they feed them. There's the there's the nurturing side of it, the caring side of yeah. it. Um, you know, and so there's uh, there's a lot of things I think that um, that pastors um, 
provide for the the church. Um, one of the things I think that's really important is an example. Um, you know, we're yeah. also sheep. We have to remember that we're also a mem- members a of point. the church. Yep. But at the same time, we need to live our lives in such a way that um, people could pattern their lives after us. Mm. Um, and so uh, we owe that to the church to to be an example. It's like when I consider myself as a, a, a father, like I owe it to my kids to walk in front of them in such a way mm. that they have a good example. Yeah. You know, and so like there's this this active role that we play in the lives of, you know, the members where we're teaching or counseling. But there's also more of a passive role in which we're just living our lives and yeah. the the church that's watching benefits from that as well, and I think that's a really important role, um, you know, in, in things that yeah. pastors need to offer. Yeah, that's a, um, th- those are both great perspectives. Let me ask you this: uh, what what does the relationship look like between a pastor and a church member versus a pastor and a non church member that's attending regularly, that's connect somewhat connected <clears throat> to the church? Uh, what's how do you guys as pastors see that distinction between member and non-member? I I, I see it. The distinction to me is preference more than action. And what I mean okay. by that is, is we're all limited. Yes. Okay, okay. So I don't I don't have infinite capacity to, for instance, counsel or right. to work with married couples. Um, so if if I'm, uh, uh, you know, my schedule is full, mm-hmm. um, and two people come to me, or it's almost full, and two people come to me that need help, and one is a church member and one is someone that's not. Well, I think my responsibility would lie with the person that I've been charged with to shepherd. Now, yeah. if if I'm if I'm not in that season, then then the responsibility may not be that different because now I'm compelled by just my Christian witness at large, you know, sure. and I'll, yeah. and I'll help if I can. Um, but for me, I usually, I usually think, um, you know, who have I directly been called to and I want to give them my best. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's preference more than, than action. necessarily. Right. That's, that's a good, um, it's a good way to think about it. I know a, a key passage about, um, leaders and, and submission from, a from a church body, Hebrews 13, um, says, uh, Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And I think just even as a church member, like I'm glad that I know the the elders that are over me and, and that, you know, they see that responsibility for, for my soul. Um, but I know there are some who would maybe attend a church regularly, who is maybe not sure about whether or not they should be a member, um, but perhaps want to be overseen, you know, have someone overseeing their soul. Yeah. What would you say to somebody that's, um, that's attending a church that's, uh, that wants to be served by pastors? Do you think they should pursue membership to, to kind of give those pastors more of a, like, so you know that you're responsible for them? Like, how would you speak to that church member or to that non-member? Well, I would, um, I think that's an, inter- that's, that's a really interesting question. I, I think that I would, um, I would put it this way. Um, respect and understand the to, mm-hmm. to Pastor Josh's point that uh, time, energy, bandwidth is just limited, yeah. and that our first and foremost biblical um, call is to shepherd the flock of God that is among us. is is the words the apostle the apostle Peter uses, mm. um, and that's what our call is to do yeah. uh, ultimately, and that is who we will give an account for. And so, understanding that. 
if someone has not made that formal commitment to the church, it's actually inappropriate for the pastor to make a formal commitment to them personally like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're not committing trying to get a pastor. You're committing to get a people. And the pastors are a part of that people. Yeah. So, so I think that, that if someone were to ask me that, I'd probably want to unpack and talk through kind of right. how they view the pastorate and, and, and how they view the people of God. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, in most cases, um, while obviously pastors are, are some of the most um, and should be um, wise and should be examples to the flock and, and teachers that are uh, handling God's Word correctly, some of my most helpful interactions for my soul are not with elders. They're mm-hmm. not with pastors. They're oh, with yeah. they're with the congregants. They're Absolutely. with yeah. they're with fellow members, um, and so they have something to offer. And so I think that um, we we tend to be so um, kind of pastor centric in some ways that we miss that the body itself has so much to offer. Amen. And uh, and so I think that's a really important part of this yeah. as well. Another distinction between church members and and uh, you know a Christian who is not a church member. You know, in our covenant, one of the things that, you know, we've said that we will do is hold one another accountable. Right. We'll, we'll conduct yep. ourselves in such a way. So um, just very bluntly, if, if I know of known sin in a church member's life and heart, mm-hmm. I, I don't have the luxury of ignoring that. Yeah. Of like just. But, you know, honestly speaking, if I'm aware of a sin of someone that I know is a Christian, but I don't really have a direct connection in their life. Yeah. I, there's nothing necessarily that compels me uh, to, to, to go to that part, especially if they're not local or something like that. But there's there's a sense yeah. in which the membership lays on me a responsibility to care for these people spiritually. Yeah. You know, and to concern myself even with their sin. Um, and so, you know, um, there's a there's definitely a difference in, in how I interact with especially being a pastor with members and non-members. Um, yeah. and, and you see that in, in functions like that a lot in the, the discipleship element, the, the yeah. talking about sin element. And then there's certain ways where it's not different, like just the, the Christian call to love all people exists, Absolutely. you know, and if I can help, I will help yeah. um, any Christian or any person. Um, so, but yeah, it's important to, th- to think through those things. That's great. I, I think too, it's, it's important, especially for today, because we have a growing conversation at least about uh, online churches um, there's a I know several apps have popped up where they're trying to not just promote church content but they're actually saying this can be your church you can be a part of this online community and that source of connection I think to a degree can be beneficial I, I know sure. we all listen to sermons online Chad you were just talking about one earlier where a pastor you know is preaching a helpful sermon. So I think we all have been somewhat informed by online content. Um, but in a, in a really significant way, that cannot replace your participation in a body of people. And, and I think it speaks to the fact of how much we've messed up the, the discipleship element in church that yeah. we think it can be a substitute. Yeah. Because we, we think that church is simply hearing another person say something really clever from the Bible. Just information. Information. Content. like and if, yeah. and if we get that, we got church. No, you didn't. Right. Right. Church is the, is mm. the uncomfortable part sometimes yeah. of the dynamic, of the relationship, of agreeing you're going to walk beside a person even when it gets difficult and tough. And, and just quite bluntly, you really can't do that you know, through the Internet yeah. um, in a real way. That's so true. That's so true. Uh, well, let's let's close on this. What what are some benefits 
like to the member, what, what benefit does the Christian have to being a member of a local church? Other Christians. Um, and it's one of the things that they would probably have the most hesitancy to, mm. to embrace, ironically. Um, but being able to um, be committed and commit to other believers is the great privilege of, of membership in one respect. Because to be a part of the body uh, is to be one with Christ, who is the head of the church. Yeah, And so um, stepping into that relationally, having accountability, being a part of uh, a group of people who have your spiritual well-being um, on their radar, where they are investing in you, where you are helping others, um, it, it is the framework in many respects for the Christian life. Yeah. It provides a framework to do what the New Testament says you must do as a Christian. Yeah. Uh, and so um, that is the great benefit in, in my mind. Yeah. There's so many of the one another statements that are impossible without another person beside you to live that Christian life. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't say it any better. I'll just leave it right there. I think that's well said. Great. Well, we uh, we hope that you have benefited from this this conversation about church membership. We hope that you are a member of a local church. And if you're around the West Georgia area, come check out Highview. We'd love to love to meet you, love to have you. And um, yeah, if you are enjoying this podcast, go ahead and give it a share on your social media. Give us a like and a comment and a rating and all those fun things on your favorite podcast catcher. And we'll see you at church Sunday. <laughs>